Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'lif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Inna alhamda lillahi na'hmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa nasta'hadi'u ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا فمن يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله ثم أما بعده and they appear quite negligent they appear quite absent-minded. You think that they're really not paying very close attention to the job that they're doing. Not only will you hold them accountable, but you might be extreme. You might exaggerate in your uh, forcing them to accountability. He says, likewise is the case of God with us. If you are a person of muhasabah, You are a person that holds himself accountable, holds herself accountable, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be easy with you, right? It's like, learn the easy way so that you don't have to learn the hard way. He continues, فَعَلَى هَذَا يَنْبَغِي لَكَ أَنْ يَكُونَ عَمَلُكَ كُلُّهُ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى وَلَا تَرَى أَنَّكَ تَفْعَلُ فِعْلًا وَاللَّهُ تَعَالَ لَا يُحَاسِبُكَ وَلَا يُحَاقِقُكَ He said, in light of that, you should strive to make all of your actions things that you are doing exclusively for the pleasure of God. Making God the exclusive audience to your devotion that you are not interested in appeasing anyone else. You are not interested in impressing anyone else. Your action is for the one that will hold you accountable. That's it. And I recall the story that one of my teachers mentioned to me saying that just this recognition that God is watching me and that is enough for me, this is one of the greatest expressions of your tawheed. The fact that you only worship God. And he told me, I can tell you a few stories, actually. He told me a story of a man who was out one night running an errand at like, this was in the majority Muslim world. And he went into the convenience store, the mahal, to, you know, complete his task. And when he came out, before he walked back or got in the car and drove back, to his house, he just, you know, lit up a cigarette, started, you know, smoking a cigarette on the side of the mahal. Someone that prayed with him, he was one of those brothers that prayed all five prayers in the mosque, in the first row, right? He was from the, you know, the asaf al-awwal, the first row. He was from the ahl al-fajr, the people that prayed the dawn prayer in the mosque, one of those people saw him enjoying his cigarette and they said to him, you know what they said, Allah. 
right? How unbecoming of you to smoke cigarettes and to do it publicly. And then he said, at the masjid tomorrow, I'm going to tell the brothers that you are not all you appear to be. And my teacher said that he took one more drag on his cigarette and he said, tell the brothers. <laughs> he said, Echi, this is a bad habit. And I pray that Allah gives me the tawfiq, the divinely facilitated success to leave this. But Allah knows that I smoke cigarettes. Why do you think I would be concerned about you telling anybody else? And continue smoking your cigarette. My teacher looked at me and he said, smoking is makroom. It's something disliked. This is not the modi ashahid of the story. The story, the modi ashahid, the point of emphasis in the story, look at his tawheed. God knows I do this. You think, you think I care that you're going to tell somebody else? You think that matters to me? This is something I do. I'm not proud of it. And my Lord can see me. You think I care that you're going to inform some people? Tell who you want to tell. I'll see you at the masjid tomorrow. That's Tawheed. So Ibn Ta'ala, he said, make all of your actions for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a rigorously authenticated tradition, he said, I do not fear for you a shirk al-akbar, the major, clear, evident, overt association of partners with God. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I don't, you know, which is really something because you have entire movements in contemporary Islam, that's all they're worried about, right? That we're worshiping something other than God. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is his testimony. I'm not worried about that. I don't, I, don't, I don't fear that my community will fall into the overt association of anything with God. I worry about Ashraq al-Asghar, the minor association of partners with God. And then he said, it's like a black ant on a black rock in the dead of a moonless night. And the Sahaba were all in complete suspense. Black ant on a black rock in the dead of a moonless night. And he said, Arriya, ostentation, showing off, making your religiosity a performance. Right? Instead of worshiping Allah, you're engaging your long lost wish to be a thespian. Here I am to perform for you. You know, one of my teachers, he said to me, if we don't get serious about the fact that our responsibility is to God and not people, you will find that many of us have been practicing Islam 20, 30 years. And he was speaking to a group of men. He said, our beards have grown more than we have. Right? Our beards have grown more than we have. Because this is where we have placed all of our emphasis. 
How do I look in front of the people? Am I quoting the right books? Am I mentioning the names of the right scholars? Am I carrying the right beads? Am I? If you make all of your actions for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of them, and don't worry about people. And then Ibn Ta'ala says, and don't think that there is any action that you can do that God is not aware of. You know, um, it's like a, a famous children's story uh, commenting on the verse, that God is with you wherever you are. That one father told his son, if you want to disobey Allah, that's fine. The only condition is that you have to do it somewhere that he can't see you. As long as you do it somewhere that God is unaware of your disobedience, have at it. Do whatever you want. And the son said, well, dad, Allah knows what I'm doing at all times and in all places. Well, there you have it, son. There you have it. Right? Taught his son with the Socratic method. There you have it. Right? Don't imagine. But I also like to emphasize the positive side of that. Allah does not cause the reward of the doers of good to be lost, to be squandered. Dia is to lose, to squander something. You know, all of this worship, all of this sacrifice, all of this commitment, all of this community. I mean, some people, Maybe they really didn't want to come here. They're like, man, it's Tuesday. There's some new documentaries out, some new shows out. But you know what? I go to Tent Leaf. Let's, let's do it. None of this will be neglected by God when you are given your hisab. When you are given your reckoning, none of this will be neglected by God. Right? When you know that, it it puts you in a really liberatory position. Because yes, we should thank each other. We should acknowledge each other. But if people don't acknowledge you for something you've done for the sake of God, you're not completely frustrated by that, right? Those of you, and I'm speaking to my brethren and my sistren right now, those of you that are parents, yes, we have to do lots. And maybe our children will never acknowledge what we're offering them. Just like we perhaps have not sufficiently acknowledged our parents. But you have to know, If you intend this, this service, this good, this guidance for God, none of it will be forgotten. None of it will be overlooked. All of it will be waiting for you when you meet God. He continues. He says, وَإِذَا وَقَعَ مِنَ الْعَبْدِ ذَنْبٌ Wakaa Maahu Zolama 
He said, and know that for every act of disobedience that happens, every act of disobedience, he literally said, and I think he's very um, delicate. I think he's very particular in his phrasing. When a, an act of disobedience falls from you, like maybe inadvertently you fell into something, maybe unintentionally you fell into something regrettable. You fell into something that is not the best expression of who you are. He said, when that happens, you must know that there is some darkness that comes to the heart as a result of that act of disobedience. Right? This is why the Prophet وسلم, he said, He said, if you do something wrong, follow that by doing something good. The effect of the good deed will remove the effect of the bad deed. I want you to think about this. And for sports fans, maybe this will land. This word will land. Think about this as momentum. You know how you're watching a game and you can sense the momentum shifting. This team has the momentum. This team has the momentum. When you do something wrong, you commit a sin, that sin produces a kind of momentum. The Prophet says what? Don't, like, don't just spend your time lamenting the sin. Hurry up and do something good. Because that good deed will also produce a certain momentum, right? It will produce a momentum. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I always joke. When I was a kid, my mother had a very strict rule. This part is not a joke. This part is the truth. No matter what was happening, when the street lights came on, that was our cue to go inside. This is like when we were like youngsters, we were youth, and we'd go out to the park, play basketball, play baseball, play football. And if I was being a good boy, I could be like mid-conversation. Yeah, man, then you can't. Uh, I'll see you later, man. Because, you know, she was strict about it. But if the conversation or the activity was just too enjoyable, too engrossing, I couldn't pull myself away. And so now the streetlights have been on 15, 20 minutes. And then I would tell my buddy, his name was Sean. I would say, Dad, bro, I was supposed to be in the house like a half an hour ago. He would always give me the worst advice possible. He would say, well, look, bro, you know that when you get home, you're definitely going to be on punishment. So you might as well, you might as well hang out. Make this a good one because we might not see you for a couple weeks, right? At this point, he would, I mean, look at the logic. 20 minutes late, an hour late, two hours late. You're just late, right? And I, like a fool, 
would be convinced and compelled by this faulty logic every time. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So now it's eight, I might not get there at 9.45. I'm in big trouble when I get in. I'm talking about mom by the door. <laughs> well, this is, a, this is a different time now with the, with the belt, right? What this hadith of the Prophet was saying, if I know I'm late, I should have come in the house and started washing the dishes immediately. I should have came right in and just started cleaning the bathroom. Mom, I know that I'm late, but I can also see that the upstairs bathroom needs to be cleaned. Right? I should have came straight in and given my grandmother her favorite thing in the world, a two liter of Pepsi. Right? I know I'm late, but I had to go to the store and get this. You know, one of my, one of my friends, I probably shouldn't give this up in a, uh, you know, a, a co-educational gathering. But he says, if your wife was ever expecting you at a time and you were late, stop and pick something up. That becomes the reason you were late. I expected you 20 minutes ago. No, I know that you like Ferrero Rocher. I was picking those up. Oh, mashallah. Oh, mashallah. Right? This hadith of the Prophet is saying, look, you do something wrong, don't allow that wrong action to gain momentum. Right? Do something good. Right? Do something good. And that... <clears throat> That good action is a toba in and of itself because you've turned back to the path of obedience. Even without all of the conditions that I listed, just the fact, okay, I was going this way, now I'm going that way. He said, because if you don't, that darkness, it settles. It settles. And the, 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 the ultimate effect of that is rana ala kulubihim, a kind of... Um, corrosion that happens to the heart. And if you talk to people who are willing to share their experiences with you, many will tell you that the first time they did something that they knew was wrong, they were very, very apprehensive about it, right? The first time that they were in a car with somebody and the person was drinking, they were like, yo, 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 keep, yo, keep your eyes on the road. Yo, man, be careful, man. I, look, I don't want to die like this. Be careful. He said, by the time my drinking addiction progressed, man, I was in the car drinking and driving myself. Right? Because that, a certain insensitivity to the sin had developed. So Ibn Ta'ilah, he's simply saying, when you do something wrong, know that there's a darkness that accompanies that wrong action. Think of it as the action is kanar. It's like fire. The darkness is like smoke, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. So where there's sin, there's darkness. When you return to the path of God, you dispel that darkness with the light of your good action. So just because you're boiling this down to a very easy to remember colloquial expression, just because you fall, that does not mean you have to wallow. You fall, get up, right? You know, think about 
how we are with regard to, you know, um, our outward appearances. You get a stain on your clothes, you clean your clothes. Right? You don't just leave the, not, at least not on the shirt. Maybe some of the brothers, the jeans, you know, whatever. It's, it gives the jean, gives the denim character. I'm from that school too. A little grease, a few stains, put those on with the Chelsea boots. That's a nice look, right? Bell staff jacket, that's a nice look, right? But when it comes to things that we want to preserve, the cleanliness of their presentation, we get a stain, we remove the stain. Oh man, remove the stain. He's saying toba is what removes the stain of sin. He says, Al-qalb yaswaddu bil-ma'asiyah. The qalb, the qalb, the heart blackens with sin. And I want to say something about this. You do have, even in the Quran, references to black that are clearly negative in signification. Like this. It says, yaswaddu. It, it blackens. No one, you know, like every time I teach this or I, I quote one of those verses, I can just see like Denzel Washington looking up the word black in the movie Malcolm X and it has all of these negative connotations. And then he looks up the word white and it has all of these positive connotations. And then he links that to the miseducation of black people. So I'm very sensitive to this idea that black has an exclusively negative signification or connotation. That is not the case, right? In Islamic uh, symbolism, right? The Kaaba is covered in black. Say the Aisha said, we used to survive ala aswadain. The two black things were like the staples of our sustenance, dates and water. So, you know, it's not exclusive, but you do have references to the color black that are clearly uh, negative. This has nothing to do with pigmentation, right? If, if it did, I would be extremely negative, right? I'm of, I am of very dark hue. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Right? Just black gold right here, man. Right? And I put on, I put on skin cream and stuff every night just to keep it, you know, right? So we, we, we love who we are. And these um, references to black as something negative has nothing to do with complexion, uh, pigmentation, nothing like that. Don't allow a poison like that to enter your mind and prevent you from benefiting from the guidance contained in this book or any of those references, right? So he says, yes, what do the heart is blackened with sin. And it is not purified except with toba. He said, and this is the part of the text that I really love. If you repent to God, he said, Fasara hijab He said, he said, those that sin, 
has as accompanying factors being veiled from God, hijab. This isn't talking about the headdress, the hijab, but the hijab is being veiled from God. What this means is that al-iman yazidu bit-ta'ah wa yanqus bil-ma'asiyah that faith increases with obedience, right? We have to understand that our relationship with faith is a reciprocal one, you see? If you are active in the cultivation of your faith with devotion, with obedience, with reflection, with contemplation, you will find that faith before you. But if you become negligent, and the faith becomes weak, at some point it might even become uh, indiscernible. Right? You might not even feel it anymore. This is what Imam Ghazali, subhanAllah, Imam Ghazali said something about this. It might have been the wisest thing I've ever heard said about this. He said, you know the person that has this plan in their mind that right now I'm young. I'm full of vitality. I thirst for life-affirming experience. I don't have time for religion, right? It's, it, there's a famous story about St. Augustine, the saint, uh, the Catholic tradition, that he was in a brothel, right? He was in a brothel, you know, um, and he said, my Lord, guide me, but not yet. Now, this is true. This is, a, this is a true story about St. Augustine. He was in a brothel and he said, my Lord, guide me, but not yet, right? Some people live according to this principle. Like, yeah, maybe one day when I'm old and I've had my fun and I've had my experiences, I've tasted the world. I've sold my wild oats. After that, and I'm old, decrepit, leaning on a cane, then I'll start going to the masjid, right? But for now, it's time to live, right? I'm young. Imam Ghazali said, why do you think that you will be able to just turn on a respect and a commitment to something you've been disregarding for 30, 40 years. He said, that is so naive, right? It's like, it's like someone, well, unto God is the highest uh, parable. It's like someone who neglects their children and says, when they become an adult and they really need me, I'm going to be there for them. That is so, how? You don't have, there's no basis for a relationship, right? Yeah, right now, I'm neglecting my children. I'm not really paying attention to them. Uh, I'm not really concerned with them. But when they become adults and my son calls me for marital advice, I'll be there for him. But I didn't go to the Little League game. I never played catch in the backyard. I didn't take him to the park. I didn't help with homework. I didn't teach him anything about Dean. No, no. You can't just turn on a commitment to something you've neglected for years. 
And then Imam Ghazali said, and what makes you think that in all of this time that you plan on being away from the path of God and you're going to come back, that your iman will be safe from being taken from you? Why do you think that? Falbul iman. That, you, that your iman will be safe from being taken from you. When he said that, I said, subhanAllah. This is absolutely true. You think you're just going to be out there 30 years. Sometimes you can't make your way back. Right? I, can't, I can't make my way back. This is my lifestyle now. These are the choices that I've made now. This is the life that I've developed for myself now. So what I'm going to change up at 65? You know, in the... Uh, you know, African-American tradition, they used to always say, you know, you can't change a player's game in the ninth inning. The game is almost over now. <laughs> a leopard doesn't change his spots. And they, mashallah, they're plying me. Okay, that's not for me. Good shit, mashallah. So they're, they're plying me with the drinks. I know I have, I saw you walking toward me. I'm like, so they just, I'm going to start checking them. I didn't take the first one, I didn't take the second one. They came with the third one. Then he says, He said, and you will never become negligent. The word ihmal in Arabic means to be negligent. You will never be negligent except through your negligence in following the way of the Prophet That as long as you are adhering to the prophetic way, you will never fall into a state of negligence. Right? And I think it's important, you know, the, the title of this session tonight was Types of Emulation. And I, I find it one of the greatest misfortunes of our community that we have relegated and reduced the term sunnah to just outward expressions of the prophetic way. Nine times out of ten, when somebody says it's sunnah, they're referring to a manner of dress. They're referring to, um, uh, you know, um, some habit, maybe eating with your right hand, eating with your index finger, your thumb and your middle finger, right? I've seen some brothers even eat soup like that. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Muhib sun right? They're referring to almost nobody references the sunnah and thinks about internal states, how you are, not just how you appear to be. So when we say, for instance, right, and this is even in the, the scholarly community, the Prophet said, Pray as you saw me praying. Everybody will reference this tradition and they're talking about what? The placement of the hands. Your chest, your navel, or at your sides. 
They're talking about the placement of the feet. Then you jam them against the ankles of the person next to you. Right? That was, I have to tell this story. That was bar none. One of the best things I ever seen or heard about in Egypt. There was this, there was this old man. He was wearing a tarbush. He was an old Ezhari Sheikh, you know, old and very gentle. And he came in, he had his briefcase. You know, the Azahira, they always have a briefcase. He walked down the street, he walked into the local masjid, he had his briefcase. He sat his briefcase in front of him. So nothing. If you ever go into Muslim work, place your shoes and any valuables you have where you can see them. Even if you're praying. Well, so he set his briefcase down in the front of the masjid where he could see it. Set his shoes on top of the brief, briefcase. And then we, we all lined up to pray. And then this young guy, young, big beard, right? Just wearing like street clothes. He came in and he like jammed his ankle next to the ankle of the sheikh. And the sheikh like moved his feet over a little bit. Then he like, like he was like this point, the young guy like this. The sheikh looked at him like this. And I remember thinking, this is tarbiyah. He didn't argue with him. There was no taqdim al-hujjaj. He didn't start producing delils and I'm going to engage in this intellectual debate with you. I know more than you. I went to Azhar. I came to the mosque intending it as a place of sanctuary to commune with my Lord. You come in and do this, I can go to a different mosque. No, no really, like, you know, he, I mean, the way he looked at him, he looked at, I got to do it again. I love it so much. the way that I will handle that. Somebody does that, I'm just going to say. Not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> right? not, not today. We're not going to do this today. Right? But when we say, pray as you saw me praying, who's thinking about khushu'a? Who's thinking about reverence? This is what Ibn Ta'ala says. He says, emulating the Prophet Sallallahu he continues, he says, <clears throat> has two forms. Overt, outward, clear, and inward. Right? Inward, inwardly emulating the Prophet. He says, he just gives that one line. This is this is kind of typical of his writing style. The outward emulation of the Prophet, like praying, was and fasting, was zakati and giving your zakat, and making hajj 
والجهادي, striving in the way of God, وغير ذلك, and other things like that. والخفية, أن تعتقد الجمع في صلاتك. But that, that internal emulation of the Prophet ﷺ, to actually intend to connect with God when you pray. That is sunnah. Right? That is sallu kama Pray as you saw me praying. Not just isqat al-fard. Just to get the obligation off my back. Tabriyatul dhimma. Just to make sure I'm innocent. I, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. No, that's not the way the Prophet prayed. Right? But he says here, wala tahsulu laka rafa'a. If you want to get close to God, if you want elevation in your worship, you will never wait. Oh, I thought something's wrong with the mic again. Bismillah. Or maybe another drink. If you want closeness to God, you will never experience what you want except through your emulation of the Prophet This is very important. This means that there is not a 2.0 version of worshiping God. The Prophet has given you the best, most refined model that the, there, is, there is no way to improve upon that model. And you have people, due to their devotional focus, that wanted to improve upon the prophetic model. One of them said, I'm going to fast every day of my life. The other one said, I'm going to pray at night and never sleep at night. I'll just take, you know, I'll sleep during the day, but not at night. I'll use my entire night for prayer. And then the other said, I'm never going to get married. Right? Who has time for marriage? We have to worship Allah. Right? The Prophet said, Men haula. Because Aisha informed him, anha. She informed him about these people. And you know, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I got to say this, man. I feel like. Sisters have been blessed, I've noticed this, with a certain radar for detecting extremism. Men don't have the radar. Sisters have a radar when they, they just hear something and they just say, um, I would ask again about that. <laughs> They're just like, huh? Are you sure? That's the one my wife gives me. You really think so? Hmm. You should ask one of your teachers about that. That's, I know her, her extremism detector has gone off. Like, that just sounds, maybe I've said something in the passion of argument and she's detected it as ridiculous. Like, hmm. You know, I remember once in the Ramadan, I wanted to, um, <laughs> I wanted to make i'tikaf, but I wasn't able to. This is so embarrassing. So I set up like a tent in my house. And I was inside the tent with a flashlight at night reading Quran. 
And then I just heard my wife laugh like, why is it that men have these devotional fantasies where they're like in caves or something like that? What is that? What is that? She said, if you really want to do something to get closer to Allah in this Ramadan, help me with these children. Right? Get out of there. Get, no, no. <laughs> right? Get, get out of the cave. Right? Help me with your daughter. This is actually my late wife, Allah. We only had we only had Asya. But help me, help me with your daughter. Right? And um, you know, I laughed at that, right? I laughed at that. But it's true. You know, you 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 find that men are prone to these shatahat. These things just come out. You know what? You know, he goes to the class with the sheikh. I'm going to fast every day. You know, because, you know, because I, I realize we share, you know, we share these stories with each other. And I think the purpose of these stories is to inspire. But some people are just very literal. So if you say something like Abu Hanifa used to do a khatam of the Quran every night which is a story that I've heard. They used to complete that, that Sayyidina Abu Hanifa an, used to complete uh, the, the Quran from Fatiha to An-Nas every night. Now, me, I have a, something of a, a, you know, a, a literary mind and I say, okay, we should vivify our nights with worship. And if he did do that by some karama, by some miracle, he was able to do that on a nightly basis. Wow, that's impressive. But there's always one guy. He's listening like this. Yeah. yeah, this is it. That's what I gotta do. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking like, Subhanallah. <laughs> you know, he, 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 here we go again. So this guy, one guy said, "I'm I'm gonna spend all night praying. I'm never gonna get married." I'm going to fast every day. The Prophet said what? Sometimes I fast and sometimes I eat. Actually, we believe that the one that is ta'im and, 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 and muftir wa shakir, eating but grateful is just like the one that is sa'im wa sabir, fasting and patient. We believe that. The Prophet said, sometimes at night I rest and sometimes I pray. Sometimes I rest, sometimes I pray. And I loved companionship, right? I, 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 I marry because I love companionship. And then he said, Whoever wants something other than my way is not from me. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So here he's saying, look, if you want spiritual excellence, if you want elevation, if you want nearness to God, just strive to adhere to the prophetic way. And we have to make sure, and this is something that I think is, again, a great misfortune in our community, that we teach about the way of the Prophet, والسلام, in a way that, ensures 
that our community knows that we're not talking about a model of God-pleasing masculinity because then women would have no access to the sunnah. And we're not talking about uruba. We love you, Marwan. We're not talking about uruba. We're not talking about Arabness because people that are not Arab will not have access to the sunnah. We're talking about insaniyah. Al-insanul kamil. Right? The perfected way of being a human being. And that has expressions that are masculine and also has expressions that are feminine. And all of us participate in living the sunnah. I hate when people talk about the sunnah as though it's something for men. No, all of us participate in trying to realize the sunnah. Women and men. Arabs and non-Arabs. Right? This is not, we're talking, we're not talking about something so particular that if you aren't Arab or Arabs or Arabic speaking, and if you aren't male, then it really can't serve as a guiding principle for you. God forbid. And if any of us have intentionally or unintentionally done that with the idea of sunnah, this is like the preserve of men the sunnah. May God help us, right? So when we say you will not experience elevation, we mean people, human beings. You will not experience elevation except through adherence to the way of the Prophet The other part of that that I think is equally substantive is that the Prophet his model of getting closer to God is doing whatever you have to do in any circumstance in which you find yourself to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of us, we think, you know, I could be pious or I could be a good person if only my circumstance were different. You know, I, it's not me, it's my situation. It's because I'm in this, I'm in this, I'm in this, I work in corporate America. I don't have a choice. I have to lie. Everybody does it. I have to make a living. I have a family to feed. I, I, I live in America, man. Come on. I mean, this is a sexually permissive society. Adam, cover your ears. Man, this is, I live in America. Come on, I mean, come on, man. You, you expect me to live like I'm in the seventh century or something? No. The sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is doing the right thing in whatever situation, whatever circumstance you find yourself. You know, there's so much about the Prophet's life ﷺ that was not ideal. You think he wanted to be opposed by his people? You think he wanted to be called a liar? You think he wanted to be publicly defamed and discredited? You think he wanted to survive all of his children except Fatima? You think he wanted to lose the people closest to him, including, including his beloved uncle Hamza? No, this is, this is just what God decreed for him. You think he wanted to leave Mecca? No. This is just what God decreed for him. 
And in spite of those challenges, in spite of that adversity, he had to continue worshiping God. That to me is one of the greatest sunan of the Prophet is wherever I'm at, whatever my circumstance, I want to seek the God-pleasing thing in that circumstance. Right? So we'll stop there, inshallah. Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim al-Asr. Inna l-insana lafi khusr. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتُوَاصِبُوا الْحَقِّ وَتُوَاصِبُوا الصَّبْرِ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ الْعِزَّةِ عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ وَالسَّلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'leefcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.